brought to you by Impact Alpha. Live on tape from Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, the show for pragmatic optimists who are creating financial value through positive social and environmental impact. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact at the financial technology firm LiquidNet. Today on Returns on Investment, we're featuring a conversation between David Bank, who's the editor of Impact Alpha, and Alex Eaton, the head of BioBolsa, a bioenergy company based in Mexico City. BioBolsa's technology allows small farmers to convert the organic waste associated with their agricultural processes into a sustainable fuel source. Closing this input-output loop is an exciting prospect, both from the social and the environmental angles. But funding and implementing this technology hasn't always been smooth sailing. For the whole story, let's listen in on the conversation between David and Alex. Hi, this is David Bank. I'm here with Alex Eaton of BioBolsa. Alex uh, is in Mexico City and leads an organization that works in nine countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. And the bio means bioenergy. Alex, just explain what you're up to. So what we principally do is manufacture a technology that allows small farmers to convert their organic waste. So that's manure or agricultural byproducts or even human waste and they're able to convert that into natural gas. So that is essentially a biogas, which means it just comes from organic matter, and that allows them to cook with clean energy, they can produce electricity, they can improve their agricultural processes. And the byproduct of that transition is an organic fertilizer. So essentially, organic waste isn't usable by plants, and so by being processed through our technology, it essentially allows farmers to produce a high quality organic fertilizer that increases their yields. And so we call that Sistema Biobolsa, and that's a product that serves everyone from uh, a small family with two pigs in their backyard to a medium-sized dairy farm that's producing electricity and interconnecting to the grid. And so you have developed this technology and you then sell it or give it to who? So we developed the technology about 10 years ago and through a nonprofit platform, but we really quickly realized that A, it's a really good investment for small farmers, so it actually had a viable business model, and that we wanted to be able to scale faster than just depending on donations. So we worked with Kiva to develop a loan program that allows farmers to receive the technology and pay it back with the actual economic benefits they receive. So today, Sistema Biobolsa has evolved from just a technology company to a group that actually produces our equipment. We promote the technology, which is completely unknown in Latin America, really. So we're actually having to introduce people to the concept of converting organic waste into energy. And then we provide a whole range of after-sales services, um, including the, the financing. So, so the financing to buy it, then buy it, then the farmers take uh, waste that was previously something they just had to get rid of, and they turn it into both energy and fertilizer, increasing their yields, and also presumably lighting their houses and 
keeping maybe some food cold if they can figure that out with a refrigerator. Yeah, exactly. And the, the thing that's important is that not only was this waste something they had to manage, but the, the increase in uh, agriculture in the region has basically led to water contamination, and it's a major source of greenhouse gas. So agriculture is actually a massive contributor to climate change. And so what we're looking for is a way to make sure that the methane gas that's produced anyways by organic waste is captured and used productively. So if it's not used, it's going into the atmosphere. When it is used, it actually can displace fossil fuels. So it actually has a double benefit in terms of climate change. And then the triple benefit is that we can displace chemical fertilizers, which also have a significant greenhouse gas footprint. So a triple win on the environmental side, a bunch of wins for the farmer. Sounds like a slam dunk, but it's not that simple, I imagine. <laughs> it's what not kinds of things, always that simple. <laughs> what kinds of things get in the way of this being on, it for, on every farm in Mexico, Latin America, the Caribbean, and the rest of the world? Well, there's certainly the fact that it's not an intuitive technology. So it's not like everyone's looking around saying like, oh, I've got a bunch of extra manure in my backyard. I'd love to be able to cook with it. Um, so in other cultures of the world, that world that's a little bit more common. In Latin America, there is no culture of using uh, manure as a fuel source. And the other piece is obviously a series of uh, sort of cultural and social and just sort of logical concerns around using waste or even seeing waste as a resource. So that's really been a big piece of our project is trying to like change the way that people see waste and change the way that people interact with it because we're really trying to emulate an ecosystem where there there is no waste. So everything that is generated by one process is the input for another process. And we, we really truly believe that for human societies to be more sustainable, that we really need to start thinking in that in that way. So you worked, have been working in the Yucatan, and it sounds like uh, you faced some obstacles there. How did you tell us about the obstacles and tell us what you did in response? Well, first of all, I'll just say two things about the Yucatan. One is that the dominant population is Mayan, and so the same Mayan that um, has thousands of years of cultural trajectory in that region. And also it has a very, very unique geology there where there is actually no surface water and there's no real sand or anything else other than just pure rock. And so any organic waste that you put there falls directly into these subsurface aquifers and it receives no filtration on the way down. So that's the same water that people depend on for drinking and, and everything else. And so what's happened there as the population's grown and there's been um, a little bit more agriculture added to the region that people are really in these small pig farms and things are really starting to contaminate um, the aquifer so we started working there with a traditional group of mines we were supported by the kellogg foundation in, in this instance in conjunction with a with a heifer international project so they were introducing pigs, but they weren't really thinking about what the impacts were of that waste. And so as we came through afterwards, after the, the heifer project had introduced pigs to these farms, we were trying to provide a waste treatment for them. And so after our first 40 demonstration projects, we realized there was a little bit of resistance from the people who had been cooking. I mean, they've been cooking over open fires for tens of thousands of years, and they, a lot of their cultural and traditional um, pieces come from that. And something interesting about fire is that it's called the grandfather of grandfathers, right? So the fire is the origin of all of us. It's sort of the, the pure nucleus. And so when people 
and then they also have been have a deep agricultural tradition where they just basically cut down the forest, burn it, and then they grow food on that plot of land for a year or two, and then they just cut down another piece of forest. And, and so that's the process there. So as we're trying to make impact in these two very deeply cultural areas of people's lives. We were finding a little bit of resistance. Um, most people don't speak Spanish even, so our outreach material was having trouble getting to people. But then one of our local technicians realized that people started referring to the technology as the new flame. So as they were speaking in Mayan, they were, they were talking about this new flame because biogas is bright blue and it's this really beautiful and distinct flame. And so actually since it's blue, because they don't really have access to LP gas or other things. So since it's blue, people would actually put their hand in because they think thought maybe it would be cold. They didn't realize that a blue flame could be as warm as a red flame. So we started playing with that. And there's also this culture of cenotes. Cenotes are underground caverns. Right. And they actually had these ideas of dragons that used to live in these cenotes. So as we started hearing people, the way they were talking about it, the way they were relating and thinking about it, we came up with a legend. And basically the legend is this. There was uh, you know, the group of people, the original uh, Pueblo, the original uh, community of people are in the forest and they live happily amongst the forest. And uh, on a lightning bolt comes down this red dragon and he basically People are scared at first, but he basically teaches them how if they feed him wood, this dragon can spit out this bright red flame and can help them cook, help them advance. And so sort of the, the discovery of, of this original flame for cooking. And um, what essentially happens in the village, and, and it allows us to sort of bring people up to the modern day, is that using this uh, flame, they become a little less healthy, and they're also cutting down all the trees. And because they're cutting down the trees, there's less animals, so they have to raise more animals. And so their communities essentially become um, more disconnected from the forest, and there's waste, and they're, they're, they're cooking on these big flames, and the dragon's getting like big and fat, and he's eating all their trees. So out of a cenote, one day because the cenote is being contaminated by this gross water this blue dragon comes out and he's like what what's happening up here and he and, and he finds his friend the red dragon and he basically um, you know they have a little bit of a battle but it's um, it's more of a conversation since we we want them to have a positive dialogue and essentially this blue dragon comes and he and he shows the people that there is another way to create flame and so he basically goes around and he eats all the animal manure and it's sort of fun because we do it as a puppet show for the kids and it's like gross but then they've got this beautiful blue flame that they can cook on and then it actually kind of ties back in because the red dragon is able to live in an efficient cook stove so we, we make the red dragon smaller and then the blue dragon becomes the millions and hundreds of millions of small bacteria that are in the biodigester. So that's how we kind of use that as an educational tool. And so this whole idea of the legend and, and, and how people relate to that is something that's allowed us to create art projects and theater and things. That, and, and in that way, we've seen this massive uptake in the technology in that region because we, we did it all in the Mayan language and we're able to like just weave in this storytelling and these cultural aspects that have really helped a relatively complex technology make sense to people. And so we've seen this uptake and we've seen this sort of uh, people owning it. And, and it's important culturally, but I think it's also important um, from a very specific impact point of view. Because in that area, people cook over wood fuel. And so it's really a massive source of economic drain and also health impact. So we have one uh, woman 
Maria Lucia, who basically had a, a pulmonary disorder. And so she um, was told by her doctor that she could no longer cook over an, an open stove, but they didn't have enough money to buy LP gas containers, so they had to continue to cook over an open fire. She was going through six or seven inhalers a month, and, and it was a very, very serious health impact, and she really couldn't do much else. It really had her quite disabled. And so we, through the Kellogg Foundation, uh, were able to install a biodigester about a year and a half ago. and. Um, they collected organic manure from their neighbors because they didn't have pigs because she wasn't really able to do anything. Now, now since that time, it's been quite phenomenal. She was buying six or seven inhalers a month, which was a massive economic burden. She said the same inhaler for the last year. So removing that smoke from her life has allowed her both a ton of free time because she doesn't have to collect firewood. So she's been able to start other industries and do some work. They've actually gotten animals in that time. So we can see that on top of this technology, we've allowed someone to really remove uh, a burden, uh, a health burden, a time burden, an economic burden. Their farm and their family has become more productive. And, and, and they've done that because of the way that the storytelling sort of passed through the neighborhood. They heard about it through, through their friends and neighbors. So that's been this really amazing thing. And they have uh, two young children. And I think one of the things that's most powerful for me is that these kids are, I guess, two and four now. And so they will never remember a time in their lives in which they were not cooking with waste or with, in which they didn't have this organic fertilizer that where they grew their food. And so their legend is actually changing. The, the stories that they'll tell to their kids is going to be different and their ability to look at waste and resources is going to be completely different. So that's the kind of deeper impact that we like to see. Obviously we have a, a great technology and a great distribution plan, but the idea of being able to integrate it into cultures I think is what really um, is going to make something have long-term impact. So Alex, that sounds uh, very compelling. What would help you get to the next stage? What could, uh, say, an impact investor do to um, help uh, grow this and perhaps get some return for, the, for themselves, uh, at least to, to make it attractive to, to some flavor of investor? Yeah, we have, uh, we've done two rounds of investment so far, and it's been amazing. So we had an angel investor from Sweden who came in, saw the potential of our initial concept, and that really allowed us to go from uh, pilot and conceptual phase and able to grow into about uh, $2 million a year in sales, and we've expanded from just a few places in Mexico uh, to working in nine now. Uh, we just did another round of investment that's really aimed at ensuring that we can continue to grow and that we can we can start working with other distributors and expanding our technology to other groups. So I guess what we're looking for now in the impact space is the ability to work with local groups. So let's just say that we're experts in the technology and we're experts in this distribution model. We can't always be experts in every place we work. And as we learned at the, in the Yucatan, that that is really the type of expertise that allows us to have impact. So what we really want now is, you know, obviously grant making organizations and things can help people that will never be able to afford this type of technology. But at the same time, we think that the, the long-term 
sustainable scaling model will be empowering local organizations that can help integrate this technology and this story and this sort of ethos of not having waste and, and being efficient and turning waste into resources and do that in their local places. So we're really looking for both funders and local groups that will allow us to, to train organizations and continue to expand our impact. Thank you, Alex Eaton from Sistema BioBolsa in Mexico. Um, we wish you luck and thanks for being with us. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation between David Bank and Alex Eaton. That's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment from Impact Alpha. Please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, leave a rating, which helps other people find us. For more coverage of the Impact Investing Marketplace, please visit impactalpha.com. And be sure to follow Impact Alpha on Twitter. If you have any feedback for us, yes, we do read your emails. Please send us a note at info at impactalpha.com. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. Thanks, Isaac. In New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Until next time, this has been Returns on Investment. Thanks.